Okay, now what I don't like about COVID is, like, the, the, sometimes the cashiers are, like, they're, like, wow, you came here just for this? And I'm, like, you know what, ma'am? We're trying. I'm just, I needed it, okay? Yeah. I get it. It's, like, one thing. Everyone's buying, like, 5,000 things. Yeah. I only have two arms and a backpack. No. Like, I can't carry 5,000 things. No. And I really wanted some Captain Crunch. Hello, everybody. How are you all doing? Uh, how are you enjoying your extended vacations with a side of international panic and future uncertainty? Um, a few mental and emotional breakdowns here and there. Uh, <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> Melina? Can't, can't you tell that she's great? Can't you hear it? In her voice. I'm uh, exhausted. I was doing, like, kind of okay right up until this afternoon, and, like, now I'm just, like, so done. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. It's been too much. And you haven't even, you, like, you haven't even been isolated as long as. No, I haven't. Because you were in essential service for a little while. Yes. Because she's a f- f- almost lawyer. <laughs> no. I'm not even close to being an almost lawyer. Well, you're around lawyers in yes. a law office yes. dealing it's, with the law. I'm like a fake paralegal. A fake paralegal. And the law is no longer an essential service, so we can just do whatever the fuck we want. That's not what that means. It yeah. is. There's no laws. No <laughs> longer essential. We've decided. Alcohol, essential. Laws, no. Don't need those. As long as we can make margaritas, we're okay. We're okay. I mean, I don't have a job anymore. I am mm-hmm. assuming that there are many people listening who are in the same boat. And that's uh, really stressful. Yeah. And I also was listening to J. True today, and someone was like, yo, what about all of the students who are, like, in between school right now, and so, like, they didn't have a job because yeah. they were in school, and now there's no summer job, and yeah. then they're going to have to go back to school in the fall, so they can't, like, they don't qualify for EI. Yeah. But, like, they need to pay for things. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I support them. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I'm sure they appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what if we, what, is there a way to, like, bolster, like, federal student loans? Like, could we do a thing? Yeah. I See, I think, like, it's just, like, this next period between now and the fall is very, it's, like, so, it's just, like, a void. It's just like a black hole of like, who knows what's going to happen. Everything is chaos. Um, It's like a Sunday that just goes on for months. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm about as productive during this time as I am during a Sunday. Because I can just do it tomorrow. Yeah. And then tomorrow comes and I'm like, there's no difference between this tomorrow and the next tomorrow. I'll just do it the next tomorrow. It's really good for my procrastination. (laughs) But I think what everybody is feeling is, like, the uncertainty is immensely tiresome. (laughs) Yes, I think that's... I I think, like, really we're all sitting around being like, okay, so I get it, like, we're in isolation, like, we're in... It's not quarantine, but whatever, we're in isolation, we're social distancing, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, what does that look like? And it just feels like, like, right now there isn't an answer to that. And I get it, I, I... you know, like, politicians aren't fortune tellers, and, like, this is the first instance of, like, this kind of mass 
plague <laughs> in modern times. So that's fine. Um, but it is, it, it is terrifying. Uh, unless you just stop thinking about it, which I just frequently do. I'm like, you know what? What if instead of thinking about that, we think about, um, Jersey Shore family reunion? Yeah. The situation. He's out of jail. It's great. I think you have to. I think it's a real exercise in, like, boundary setting and it's, like, really hard for people who can't set boundaries. But, like, there's times where I've had to tell people, like, no, actually, like, I can't talk about that right now. Which isn't to say that, like, I can't talk about it ever. But. But it's, like, actually, I can't hear you tell me about what, like, for the, like, sixth time today. Like, Well, that's, that's like, the irony of this is that there's so many podcasts that I just like can't listen to right now because it's just like COVID, COVID, COVID. And I'm like, whatever. I don't like, what are you going to, are you telling me something that I don't already know? Yeah. Like that. Oh, like the economy is fucked. No shit. Yeah. Like, oh, that I should like not go outside. I I got you. I understand. I'm not going to go out. And I, 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 I get why they have to keep harping on about that. I mean, Again, it's, like, one of those things that's kind of hard to listen to politicians, I don't know, like, sermonize at you, where they're just like, don't go anywhere, stay in your house, social distancing, and you're like, oh, you're still getting paid, and you're living in your mansion, and, like, I don't know if you can tell me to, like, me who has to, like, live in an apartment or, like, wherever to just not ever leave my house. Yeah, well, that's kind of what happened in New York. But also, I think there's, like, a lack of clarity and I understand like you know you've heard I I I just have so many feelings as I do about most things but I think there's a real lack of clarity about what x y and z whatever it is mean um and I understand at the beginning of a pandemic there is going to be a certain amount of unclarity but I think or on is that a word Unclarity. I don't think that's a word. Uh, I don't think there's it's there's gonna be either. a certain amount of confusion whatever and so you know what you're is not- the opposite of murky opaque I don't know (laughs) there's gonna be a certain amount of like faffing about because indeed we don't know what it looks like but I saw this really good article that was like hey actually like so you know in like December slash November of last year we kind of like knew that this was coming and like there were people who were warning about it and I think that we could have like not we but like politicians done a little bit more to prepare and what I would have really liked is if like maybe in like early March late February someone would have been like hey this is why social distancing is effective and this is what it looks like if you are in xyz position right because obviously it's different for people who are living in apartments versus houses it's different for people who have to go to work and who can't but what I really wanted what I really needed a leader to do was be like hey this is what your week will look like. Yes. This is how effectively we can get... And and one of the reasons why I think it didn't work and why I think is because nobody knew what it meant. And and yes, I think the lack of information as well about what makes this dangerous and like what it entails and like what these issues are because we always get hung up on the death toll, the death rate. And it's like... That, that's actually not the worst part about this, and that's not what's overcrowding the hospitals. It's that people can get this, and, like, some of them obviously have milder cases, but, like, people can get this who are not going to die from it, but who still need to be in a hospital because they need to be on a ventilator. Yeah. And, and that is a huge problem because eventually, like, we run out of space, we run out of those resources, and then people who shouldn't die from this or, like, shouldn't have, like, a, what, near death experience with this will because there'll be no one there to help them well that's why this is i have some like 
several notes, but one of the things are like recommendations if you're struggling to like under, because we're not going to run down what it is or how you get no. it because we're not epidemiologists. We and don't. I actually ultimately think like more inexperienced and inaccurate information makes this worse. worse. Yeah, for um, sure. But that's why like I really, like I, something I said at the beginning because I was misinformed was like, oh, well, like, SARS was worse and, like, we didn't panic this much about it. And actually, SARS and COVID are not a one-to-one comparison. They're actually a very poor comparison because they're viruses that work in entirely different ways. Right. And it's exactly like you said, the issue with COVID is that it can has the capacity to completely overrun a medical system, which means that, like, they'll people there will be people who will die from it who don't who wouldn't necessarily under any other circumstance, and also people who have other medical issues yeah. can't access. It's like a whole clusterfuck. The thing with SARS is that it kills most of its hosts. So, yeah. like, you don't have that same issue. You have other issues. Yeah. Death is bad. Terrifying. But it's not the same but thing. But it's a different, it's and a I, different problem. I didn't understand that until I listened to, and this will be my recommendation for the science, uh, Dr. Abdul El-Sayed, who does a podcast called America Dissected, who is uh, the world's both dreamy boyfriend and epidemiologist. Hi. <laughs> yeah. He's real life Grey's Anatomy. He's lovely. But he just does a very good job of like explaining why we need to take this seriously without causing panic. And if you want like a rundown of like what it is, how it spreads, like what your week will look like if you are in X, Y, and Z, if you want considerations of like people with addictions, like whatever, all that stuff, like he breaks that all down. And I would, what I do is like, I just listen to that. And then if I have to, I check on the stats from like my province because he is American. So the political stuff is admittedly less relevant for us, but you have to find a way of like, controlling your news intake or like you literally will just short out yes yeah because it is exhausting yeah and you just can't be listening to this like 24 7 no you're like oh i get it like the other thing i really want to recommend is 538's last episode again it's another american thing but they're not talking about like american politics specifically basically what they are they're statisticians that's what they do but the episode breaks down why epidemiology is not an exact science and how how algorithms are adjusted to create the projection models. Now that sounds like a lot of jargon, but they break it down in a really like consumable way. And that's not for me to say that like politicians should never say stats ever. Right. That's like not what I mean. For me, having that background helps me when I see these really scary stats. I'm like, okay, this is actually what that means. And this is how it's subject to change. Yeah. And I find that helpful. So I would like definitely recommend that. Yeah, for sure. I also think the issue is, like, people, when they take this, like, seriously, take it seriously in, like, the least helpful ways. Yeah, of course. Like, we're all gonna run to the grocery store and steal all of the food and the toilet paper, but we're not gonna stop socializing. Yeah. And you're like, what? Well, that, There's not a food shortage... And stop touching each other. Well, and supply chains aren't closing. Like, even in the last essential services that's come out of Ontario, the supply chains are still open, so food is still being produced, like, toilet paper is still being produced. But that's what I mean about leaders having had to be more clear on the outset. I mean, I think people are, like, stupid and chaotic anyway, so, like, there's that. But I just think there was a lack of clarity about, like, this is what social distancing means. This is what isolation means. Or like, this is what pandemic means. Yeah, like, I just feel I like mean, it was like too. state of emergency pandemic, and people were like, "Wow, I gotta buy all of the yeah. things." But I think if you understand that supply chains aren't closing, if yes. you understand that like this is how you'll be able to access these services over the course of a week, like this yes. is how you'll be able to do this. Like there would have just been like a little bit 
more one I think it would have been more successful yeah and like that's obviously and it, and it is kind of like a little bit too little too late now you're like okay yeah. well it, now we're just we exist in this weird reality that like just constantly feels like it's the end of the world yeah we're just slowly crawling towards the end of days. On that note, I'm going to make us share some things that have made us happy. Oh my god. Yeah. What? So. I don't, I don't know. No. What, nothing makes me happy. Okay, well I'll do it first and then <laughs> you can do it because I think it's a necessary exercise. Oh man. So the, the, I have three things. The first thing is, if any of you remember the TV show Kiki's Delivery Service, Um, It was a movie, and then they turned it into a TV show. I would recommend both. It's fabulous. It's an anime. It's just like a girl delivers things on a broom, has encounters. It's just uh, wholesome, lovely fun. Also very beautiful. Uh, Two is Stardew Valley. It's a game. You farm. That's it. That's the whole game. You like farm. I you guys in your fucking weird games where you just do chores. Earlier today, I was listening to her talk about. I mean, I actually like our my comrade. Your comrade? I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Her significant other, not her comrade. Oh my god. Or socialists. Oh. All right. Oh, I kill myself. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> my comrade was talking about this video game where all you do is walk. Yeah. You just walk. But it's a really pretty walk. I like. What is this? And then there's another one where you just swim, and it's like it's an experience. It's like fuck all of you. If I can't win, it's not a game. Okay. So here's the thing about Stardew Valley. Now you're just farming. Here's the thing about Stardew. Do you get an oh award God. for being the best farmer? Well, you earn, yeah, you like earn money. So it's capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> you're just promoting capitalism. Um, the music is really cute. You like plant your little parsnips. You sell them, and then you buy more little parsnips. Uh, you fish. I don't know. Everything oh is cute. Everything makes a little tiny cute noise when you when you like if you right. cut down a tree, it goes. Bloop. And I think that's... I think that's accurate. I think that's yeah. how trees sound when yeah. they, they fall. And then when you run out of energy, you have to, like, sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so it is just... It's just, like, life. Yeah, it's just like working a farm. It's... But yeah, it's cute. But cuter. And then the third thing is Bon Appetit's food cast. Yeah. So, like, basically, Bon Appetit, if you don't know what it is, you've been living under a rock, and that's, like, fine. It's live your best life. But... The food cast is, like, where they just do interviews with people, and in particular, I would recommend the interview with Jose Andreas, who's, like, this, like, incredible chef who, like, also does a lot of philanthropic work. Uh, he does a lot of, like, uh, social work with uh, undocumented immigrants. Like, I like it because he believes, he's like, well, if we in the restaurant industry are going to rely on, like, a certain kind of labor, we then have to protect that labor. So he speaks in front of Congress all the time, and he, again, is, like, very dreamy. Yeah. So, 10 out of 10. Love and then. dreamy. Samin Nasrat, who is the world's, like, she's just, like, sunshine in a person. She's just, like, so happy and lovely and just wants to, like, make fukacha and, like, teach you about food. Um, uh, uh, yeah. If you like Persian food, she also has this, like, amazing, like, uh, article about the best Persian food. Anyway, they're both just, like, sunshine people. And mm-hmm. so that, that is when I feel the calmest when I'm listening or doing those things. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but there's a book series 
called Green... The series is Green Creek. Mm-hmm. The first book is Wolf Song by <laughs> T.J. Clune. I mean, I've talked to yes, you about yes, this, yes. but it's like a series about a, a, a wolf pack, and they're all sexually fluid, and it it's beautifully, beautifully written. Yeah. It's like so, so lovely and, and so soft and wonderful, and it's like everything that you want at this time in the world's <laughs> yes. history. It's just, I can't recommend it enough. Like, it's it's worth it. Just buy it on Amazon. Just buy all three at once because you'll want them. You think that you won't, but you will. You'll be, like, so in love with this, like, two chapters in. Ugh, yeah. It's it's just, like, beautiful. I feel like maybe I mentioned this before, but it doesn't matter. I don't think that you have. Things that have... That is, like, truly the thing that brought me the most joy. Nice. <laughs> while I've been in isolation. Um, and then... Oh, I don't know. I don't know if there's been anything else. It's really been a dark period since yeah. I finished that series. To be fair, I sprung this on you, and I didn't mean to. I That's should. okay. No, no, we're being we're being um, spontaneous. Spon- spontaneous. Wow, I really forgot the word for spontaneous. You know what? It happens. I just feel like you know the joy a little time. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's um, obviously Selena Gomez's new album is like a lovely one to just put on and, and do a listen. Yeah. Also, the soundtrack to the Harley Quinn movie is really good for, like, pumping yourself yeah. up. Yeah. Jesse Reyes's new album. Yes. Um, Great. Music Rex, I love Like, it. all three of those sassy women being sassy. Those I've been dancing in my room a lot. <laughs> you have to. Uh, you, like, truly I you do. You have to, yeah. Uh, lots of dance parties in my room. Yes. Um... With the blinds closed because people can see me across the street <laughs> and it sucks. Uh, um, but to all three of those, yeah. Um, God, I don't know what I like. I don't know what else. Oh, a joint wreck. We we all watched Feel Good, May, which is May Martin's show on Netflix. Yes. Although, like, it gets really stressful, but it yes. is a kind of stress that will take you away from the like. Yeah. stress that's actually happening in the world so like you know you you, you can choose your stress it was good it was fun uh, we had a fun time i had a fun time with yeah, it. yeah it's beautiful i really like it um yeah i think that's it i think all that's right. all i got for you awesome guys <laughs> all right we're talking about porn today but there's like a great transition which is that Pornhub released these stats for the way that like viewership and like traffic has changed since sort of like the COVID madness began (laughs) which like there's a host of problems with Pornhub but I love that there are a bunch of nerds who just like to release stats all the time because this is the kind of shit that I find fascinating yeah for sure um so in case you were wondering okay also Pornhub is offering like their premium like you can get premium Pornhub until like April 23rd (laughs) Anybody anywhere in the world. I, I'm not really clear on what that means yeah. or what that offers you, but it's a thing. So if you want to jump on that deal, go for it. Yeah. Um, but worldwide uh, traffic for the average day is up 11.6%. That makes sense. Um, and then the traffic, in, the daily traffic in Italy is up 57%. <laughs> um, in France, it's up 38%. Spain, 61.3%. The U.S. is 6.4%. And Canada is 7.2%. And I feel like we can tell which countries are taking this more seriously by the increased traffic to Pornhub. (laughs) (laughs) Like, U.S. and Canada were way down there. Just way, way at the bottom. 
Um, and then also the times when traffic is high has shifted. Yeah. So there's an increase of traffic at three in the morning because people don't have to get up for work the next I day. I guess not, yeah. And then there's an increase in traffic at 1 p.m. because people are at home. I guess they like masturbate before they go to sleep and then they wake up at like one and they masturbate to wake up. I guess, yeah. It's like a wild life. But those are the two, like, there's the kind of shifts because it used to be that the high traffic time was somewhere between like... 10 to 11 p.m. Yeah. Again, it's, like, I guess people going to sleep. Uh, but now it's 3 a.m. because, like, time doesn't matter and there's yeah, no work day matters. and, like, yeah. fuck it. Um, and 1 p.m. because, again, everyone's just at home doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and then the last stat I want to share is that searches for coronavirus porn <laughs> or for just corona, I guess, oh, no. on Pornhub. But I'm just going to assume if you're searching a term on Pornhub, you're looking for porn yeah. attached to that term. Um... It peaked on March 5th with 1.5 million searches. That's the problem. I think that's so funny. Like, what what are you expecting that to look like? Like, is it just that you want porn that's set during this time? So it's, like, people oh. in, in quarantine, in isolation. Oh, Do you want people who are ill having oh. sex with each other? Also, like, how, like, is the porn industry still running right now? Like, how could there be co- coronavirus porn? Yeah, I don't know that you could do that. But 1.5 million searches on March 5th. Mm-hmm. One day. And that's, like, was peak. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Pornhub, for those stats. Uh, they, I think they really helped us. Yeah, a joy. <laughs> of all the stats that I've heard uh, in relation <laughs> to this, those the were the most fun. Yeah. And, like, Italy, you're, like, really, you're doing a lot. 57% more traffic a day. That's a lot of traffic. It's wild. Okay, uh, let's talk about porn. How old were you the first time that you watched porn? And was it because you sought it out or because yeah. somebody showed it to you? Okay, I, I wrote this down. Excellent. I think, where is it? Such preparation. Except I... Like, bullet points are always more useful because then you can, like, search what yeah. you're looking for. But yeah. I wrote, like, full paragraphs. Like, I was, like, speaking, which is, like, not as useful. But anyway. Uh, I think probably, f- like, 14 to 16. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I couldn't because, like, a lot of that those years were What, you didn't, like, me. write it down? Yeah. You didn't, like, mark the <laughs> In day? In my diary. You weren't like, this is the day. Yeah. Uh, I'll, and I'm sure, I'm pretty sure it was on... Tumblr. Yeah. Because Tumblr used to have these like little clips or gifts like from porn. Um, and like once in a while, like one would show up. And I remember like the feeling being like, oh, what if I like sought that out for like a funny? Yeah. What yeah, if yeah, it yeah. was like a funny and I sought it it's out? It's always ironic. But obviously it like was not for a funny. Yeah. Um, Just for shits. It, like it's a <laughs> science. It's for science. <laughs> but I, I remember definitely being like, well, what if. Do you know where you went for it? Did you just like Google on t- porn? No, I just like, I kept looking on Tumblr for more of stuff like oh, okay. that. But it was all like gifts and like... No, Tumblr used to have, they don't anymore. They don't have any of this anymore. But they used well, to they have... Well, they don't have porn anymore. No, but they used to upload like full videos from like other websites. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, so that like, was like pre-me. You you introduced me to Tumblr. Which I always forget about because I don't use it anymore. And, and I do. <laughs> and I think probably because they got rid of all the sex. So I was well, like... Well, listen, they haven't gotten rid of all the sex. There's still erotica. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it must have been... It, it must have stayed on Tumblr. And then I think probably it ventured to like other porn websites after that. And then I, I think I became more like educated about like ethical porn probably when I was about 19, 20. And that's when I started paying for it. Yeah. 
1928. I feel like that's pretty, like, pretty, pretty woke of you. Yeah, I think it was just that, uh, I wasn't finding the kind of porn I wanted right. when I just searched for it. And, yeah. like, I was reading, like, I was reading erotica when I was, like, 17, 16, yeah. 17, like, buying books. Um, but I just couldn't find, like, the kind of porn that I, I wanted. And then I remember searching, like, a website or, like, I must have come across it and it was, like, it just happened to be, like, an ethical, like, it was, like, a queer sort of, like, feminist, like, and at the time, I don't know that, like, I wouldn't go as far to say as, like, that's what I was, lo like, looking for in those words, but, like, but it just happened to be. To be there. And then I realized, I was, like, oh, this is kind of what we should be doing. doing. Yeah. So, it happened on accident. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably true. Like, I think I probably, the most porn I've ever seen is on Tumblr, but just in, like, GIF and, like, photo yeah. form. And then, like, I was definitely reading, like, oh, but it's hard, because, like, I was reading what I would have considered at 15 and 16 to be, yeah. like, Potterotica. <laughs> but looking back, I don't think it really was. Yeah, I think it's all relative. Yeah, I mean, it is all relative, like, it, but, like... It, it was definitely still in, like, a PG, like... Yeah, yeah. 14 realm. Like, it was, like, people, like, making out. Yeah. Yeah, I get <laughs> in that. In stairwells. Maybe a shirt comes off, yeah. I don't know. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's so scandalous. <laughs> and also, usually, it's, like, two guys. Because, like, that's... Yeah. Was sort of... That's mostly pot erotica. But, yeah. like, not all of it. Yeah. Um... And that was probably what I, like, that's what I was looking at in high school. But I, I don't think I felt, like, a huge draw to, like, look for it. And I also think I had, like, a, a standard, but, like, a lot of fear, just in, like, a practical sense. Yeah, so, like, if I looked for it, there would be viruses, it would get yeah. stuck on my computer, yeah. and then I would have to, like, explain yes. to my parents what happened. What happened. And yeah. that was, like, a big fear. And I, I also don't think... Like, it's one of those weird things where it's, I don't know, like, you almost, like, sort of, like, block it out or something. Like, oh, you sure. can't, like, think articulate, articulately about what you're doing. No. Like, oh, I'm, like, it's like I'm doing it for jokes. For jokes, like, exactly. It's not really porn. Like, 100%. it's not, that's not really what I'm doing. Well, with the the books, which I started consuming earlier, there was this one book by Libra Bray, and she does the, like, Pretty's Ugly series, but she had this other series called Sweet far thing whatever i talk about it all the time and it was in the ya section which is odd because it wasn't ya they were all in their 20s interesting um but i think it's because she's written two other ya right. series but there was like a lot of sex in it and i remember like being really like into that and then i was like oh and the cover kind of looks like an erotica novel as right. well but it's not so then it was very easy to transition to that from like to find like other books and like you know like I would just go to the in center like as a teen like when I was 13 or 14 by myself so like it wasn't hard to just like pick up books yeah yeah I mean I definitely was introduced to sexual content through books yeah I couldn't like I wasn't buying books because I didn't have spending money yeah. in high school but my older stepsister would just have books yeah so then I was like well you can just have my old books yeah so I would just read these books and then all of a sudden there's, like, sexual content. You're yeah. like, whoa, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. But to me, it's always been way easier to consume sex, like, in literature than it is to watch sex. Sure. And I think that's for, like, multiple reasons. 
I'm like an intellectual. <laughs> like it's like everything is hotter when it's in my brain. Oh yeah. As soon as it's like manifest, I, I'm automatically like it's some. It triggers like something else, like mm-hmm. some other like anxiety mechanism. Mm-hmm. But when it's like just written down. Like, I, I, like, I read all of the Game of Thrones books, but then, like, watching Game of Thrones, and obviously HBO went a little over the top, but it was, like, I was, like, oh, my God. Like, I can't. Like, I read it. Like, yeah. I read the sexual content, but watching it, it was just, like, this is, I, I, I can't, I can't, my yeah. brain can't handle this, I can't do this. Do you classify erotica as porn? Yeah. I think anything, yeah. I, but, but, like, my definition of porn is, like, very wide and vast because I consume, like, Every yeah. form of porn that's out there, probably because, like, I don't know, like, I'm a Randy Gremlin, I guess. Like, I don't know. But, like, from, like, like audio to, like, visual to, like, text. So, like, yeah. Like, I, my, it's pretty wide. If I think if it considers itself porn or you consider it porn, then, like, yeah. So, but you, so you would classify literally anything that gets people off as a form of porn. Yeah, I think it depends on how you're using the language, right? right. Like, because, like, that, that also matters, too. Um... But generally, yeah. Because I feel like, because porn is short for pornography, the a fee feels like it's like photography, filmography. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that's accurate, but like, I get what you're you saying. know what I'm saying? But I do think like, I mean, I think ask, ask me this maybe 20 years ago. I mean, I was six, but like. <laughs> so maybe not. Maybe but like. I'm meaning like if I was alive 20 years ago and you asked me about it, then I would probably have a very, very different answer. Even right. 10 years ago, I would right. have a different answer. But like now, I think like. Collo- yeah. No, like, cool. you know what I mean? Yes. Colloquially, that's, that term has like a much broader definition. Definition. Than sure. Maybe it would have years ago. Well, and of course, like we're saying, like there's shame attached to both of those things, right? Oh, heck yeah. So it's like. But so we then were having this argument where I was like, but I feel like pornography in terms of like visual pornography is something that's referenced a lot more by pop culture yeah. in a way that's like Absolutely. everybody everybody watches pornography or like you know the main male character maybe is like watch is yeah. gonna watch porn heck yeah uh, which does mean again like there isn't stigma around it like there definitely is but i don't think erotica is is exists in pop culture in the same way no no it doesn't. it's like it's like a weird niche thing for like weird yeah cat people well i, I, I don't i mean I, I don't disagree with that 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 wasn't like that's never the i think there are like two things that happen when we look at how culture like um views mediums of porn and I think one of those things has a much bigger and important dramatic effect on society and then one of those is just a personal grievance of mine (laughs) and I can recognize the difference yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and the first one and obviously the more prominent one is like you said this really eloquently the other day and I'm gonna butcher the fuck out of it but that's fine please do um visual porn even though it's like considered or sorry visual porn even though we like still have a stigma around it is considered normal because quote-unquote everybody watches it and even though there's varying degrees of shame based on gender race whatever it is sort of accepted as like the normal thing yeah whereas like erotica and i think that that hierarchy happens because one of those things is considered feminine and one of those things is considered masculine whether it is or not that's not true that's not the point the point is is like in society we give it those connotations 100 percent so, like, that is the overarching and most driving hierarchy that exists in mainstream culture when it comes to porn, and that is how we make our own decisions, that's how industry makes decisions, that's how even mainstream media makes decisions to talk about those two things. Yes. Like, 
10,100%. Yeah, I think I think that's that's probably a big part of it. This idea that erotica is 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 quote unquote feminine um, and therefore even in the hierarchy of like things that our society makes us feel ashamed of, we should feel like a, like a little bit more ashamed yeah, of that. Cuz it's like it's like you couldn't even just do regular porn like you had to go and read erotica like Yeah. And you're like, you know what? Sometimes I just want to read about two hockey player best friends <laughs> yeah. who fall in love. <laughs> well, and there's this, like, spinster element to yes, it, too, yes, for some exactly. reason. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and, I, and so, like, I, the point that I was trying to make when we were playing this episode is very, there are two very, very different things. The other hierarchy is not, does not affect mainstream culture. It does not drive our culture in any way. Truly just un personnel grievance which is that like within sort of like um sex spheres like where we're talking about sex where we're doing things there's a kind of erotica that is seen as superior it's like the academic elite yes to the proletariat yeah oh man comrade but it's true like of like like visual porn so it's like if i read porn then i am somehow superior and more creative because And if you watch it, then you're a simpleton. Right. And that doesn't really affect society, I don't think. That narrative doesn't, like, drive, like, decisions en masse in any way. Right. But I do think, like, within, like, spheres of privilege, like, yes. that does come up. And I just think it's, like, boo hockey. Like, it's, like, the stupidest shit I ever heard. Yeah. Well, it's, like, why, again, in this sphere of, of sexual dialogue and, like, uh, where there's already so much, you know, like, shame and, and so yeah. so much negativity being forced on us by the, the broader narratives of yeah. society. Like, because, you know, like, ultimately sex is, like, personal and, like, I don't know, requires to some extent a f- form of vulnerability. Like, the things that get you off. Yeah. That is, like kind of vulnerability so like just maybe we don't make people feel bad about whatever medium it is that they need to use no and i don't think this is like a social stigma or like a mass thing i've just heard it enough times that it's bothered me yeah you know what i mean like i've just been like okay shut up but there definitely is like uh uh like not the same but there's also the people who are like oh you watch porn even when they're not comparing it to rocket it's just like that makes you yeah. I don't know, somehow beneath me. Or, and if you can somehow, like, masturbate or get off with only the thoughts in your head, then you yeah, are, yeah. like, oh. And I'm, like, shut, like, who give, like, yeah. who fuck? And I think, like, people who say stuff like that are ultimately very insecure. Like, it's, like, it comes from, like, yeah. insecurity about their own sexuality. And I'm, like, just let people get off the way they want. As long as, like, nobody's getting hurt, like, sh- just shut up. As long as nobody's getting like, hurt. Like, who gives a fuck, man? Um, ethics of porn. Yeah. So I like paying for your porn is a big one. I don't I don't have I watch porn if you want to watch porn, don't watch porn if you don't want to watch porn, but I think that you should be paying for your porn because you know, there's lots of people who are in porn most people are in porn because they want to be in porn. And yeah. and the whole industry as itself is not a bad industry, but but when it has to be done sort of under the radar, when there's no legal protection and when you're just stealing content off of the internet that puts people at risk yeah for sure um and it's sort of your responsibility to pay for it and i think that there's this weird attitude that like no that's ridiculous 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of different... I think, one, because, like, uh, websites like Pornhub make it so... And, like, not every free platform is created equal. I think that's also true. Like, there's, like, you look at Pornhub versus something like Balesa, right? Which is, like, funded through other means, and then they they produce free content, um, but they make money by selling vibrators and, like, you know what I mean? So, like, there's there's different kinds of structures that you can access. Um, I think the important thing is to do your research and do your due diligence but I I think you're right I think there's like people are like well it's ridiculous why should I pay for it because it's free and then I also think there is a stigma around paying for it because then you have to admit somewhere that you are watching it like yeah you have to make an active decision whether it's entering a credit card number like whatever it is like you it's there's a little bit more active you can't just be like oh I'm doing it for a funny yeah well it's like what I said like there's you get we have this like weird cognitive dissonance where it's like no this isn't really what I'm doing Um, yeah I'm not really looking for porn like I'm not really reading or watching this to get off like that's not what's happening and then as soon as you have to confront that and it's another reason that like lots of people who watch porn will then you know shit on porn or will will think poorly of um porn stars or or sex workers or you know adults performers uh, and you're like, well, I don't understand. Like, they're literally providing you with a service. Yeah. You should respect that. And yeah. I think that's another reason that people don't think that they should have to pay for porn. Absolutely. Because they don't respect the people that they're watching. And that's, like, a huge issue. And I think that's societal as well, right? Because we have this sort of stigma that it's uh, not real work, that it is something that people who are desperate do, that it's mm-hmm. it's like somehow dirty and bad and it's not and if you listen to people in the industry talk about it lots of them can talk like they're very articulate about like why they're there and and the industry that they're in and and again because sex is such a big part of like our lives and existences on this planet Mm -hmm. I think it just seems so ridiculous to look at this industry that so many people have used or continue to use and and just disregard it in that way. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely correct. So, like, pay for your porn. (laughs) (laughs) Pay for your porn, do your research. You owe that to the human beings involved in this. Yeah. Because when you don't, that's, that's when you get into bad situations where people are being taken advantage of. Yeah, and there's lots. I'm going to I'm gonna run down some recommendations for how you can access ethical porn or, like, platforms that you can use because it's super easy and I'm not going to leave anybody any room for any excuse. Ha! Uh, so there's Pink Label TV, which is visual. Um, it's membership-based. It focuses on sort of, like, queer, inclusive. It's got a really big, like, indie vibe going to it. The subscriptions are pretty easy to start and stop, so, you know. Uh, Bright Desire, which is visual also, membership-based. It's very, very arty. Like, this one is, like, if you're into, like, arty stuff, they've won a bunch of, like, arty porn award things. Do they, uh, like, have sex in art studios? They, like, paint on each other yeah. and stuff? <laughs> It's aesthetic. A lot. It's also there's like something. Is it in black and white? <laughs> some of it is. Of course it is. Uh, some of it is in black and there's white. There's classic music playing. Yeah, classic yes. music. That's the vibe though. Yes. So if you're into that, like that's cool. Uh, Crash Pad series is my favorite rec for visual. It's like again membership based. It's yeah, it's subscription based, but with most of them you can pause and start uh, pretty easily. Crash Pad series is already in a different way. Um, it's super fun and lovely, like, and there's, like, such a wide range of stuff. Again, like, very qu- queer-influenced, which is great. 
Dipsy, Storio, Dipsy Stories is audio. It's probably my favorite of this whole list of recommendations just because there's such a wide range of things um, from short to long stuff. And you can access a free trial, which is also kind of fun. Um, again, subscription-based, super easy to end and start. And sometimes like sex influencers that you like, they'll like lend their voice to the like voice stories and stuff. It's great. It's a really fun, and like the interface is really pretty. And for some reason, Love it. that's great. Um, I have a couple books. Drenched by Tabitha Rain. Tabitha Rain is hilarious and wonderful. She was on an episode of Doing It by Hannah Witten recently. They're a series of short stories. It's great. Um, Sweet and Rough by Sinclair Sexsmith. That this that's like probably my favorite, like erotica book. It's not classic erotica in a sense. It's like a series of short stories. They're like uh, queer and um, they just range from all over the, the spectrum of everything. Um, and they're very sweet and very beautifully written. Something else I'd like to recommend that people don't really think about all the time is that is individual people. So I'm not going to recommend any individual people specifically, but there are a lot of porn actors and sex workers who have things like OnlyFans or Instagrams or Snapchats or any private platform where you can pay them directly um, and they produce their own content. And I think that's really great because they have full control over the content and also you know exactly where your money's going. So don't discount that either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to recommend, okay, so like actually my favorite series on porn is called Turned On, and it's kind of the sequel to Rashida Jones's first documentary that she produced, or whatever, she's not in it, Yeah, obviously, <laughs> but, um, uh, which was Hot Girls Wanted, which is like, uh, is just like a, a film, like one film, whereas uh, Turned On is like a mini series. Um, and Hot Girls Wanted, I really liked, I, I know that there was pushback against it because people, um, felt like it was negatively portraying, um, the porn industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, like, that's a fair assessment, though, to me it didn't feel like, it, it just follows the experience of these young girls mm -hmm. who get into it and, like, what yeah. that kind of looks like for them and, like, how they're responding to these ads on the internet and then all of a sudden they're doing porn and uh and it, it like that was kind of interesting but it follows like this one sort yeah. of group of girls and like specifically is looking at porn that way and then turned on as a series and it's like each episode is coming at it from a different perspective mm -hmm. um so they've got one where they focus purely on like male actors and like the challenges that come with that which was like really interesting because obviously there's like a physical component to like male actors in porn that's uh, different than women and that like you have to be able to orgasm mm -hmm. like almost on command mm -hmm. which is like kind of crazy yeah and also at the same time have to like you have to be able to a maintain an erection for like literal yeah. hours and then you just have to be able to orgasm yeah like when they want you to yeah. and and talking about that and then talking about how they're not always comfortable with like the way that that they're directed or, like, told to, like, treat the women that they're with and also, like, breaking down, like, sort of the racism that's, like, very prevalent in in porn. Like, obviously, there's racism in every industry, but porn kind of profits off of racism, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so, like, this one black porn actor, <laughs> dude, but it's, like, really interesting to hear him talk about, like, it's, like, he gets cast because it's always, it's always the same, like, storyline. Mm -hmm. It's, like... Oh, like, little white girl sleeps with her first black man. Yeah. And it's, like, both of them are kind of, like, 
Uh, yeah. So it's like, but that is promotional material. And so, yeah. like, it's one of the few industries that's still, like, is it's just, like, so unabashedly, openly, like, appealing to your sort of... Yeah. Worse or worse <laughs> kind of, uh, I don't know, like... Well, your prejudices. Your prejudices. Um, and so, like, that was interesting. And then, like, you know, the use of Viagra and yeah. and how that affects your health. Anyways, it, like, that's one of my favorite episodes. I think it's really good. And then, of course, they also talk about, again, like, uh, the female actors, and they talk about cam girls, and they also have an episode about the, like, female directors and producers of porn, which is really interesting. Um, and But in that one, they talk about Erica Lust. Yeah, so something we want to address, just because I think it's, like, a little bit important. Anyways, she's this... Uh, she owns a porn company. Um, X-Confessions. X-Confessions. And they are, like, sort of her brand was, like, ethical porn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more focused on female pleasure. Mm-hmm. It certainly is, like, a little bit more, like, artsy, I would say. Like, more oh, kind sure. of aesthetic. Um, and in this documentary, she, she, I love listening to her. She's, she's talks very eloquently about she it. She does. Um, and about sort of the issue of, again, like ignoring porn, like it, it's not being consumed and, and how dangerous that is when, you know, you have places all around the world, um, you know, like America and whatever mm-hmm. that don't have proper sexual education. Yeah. So that porn becomes sex ed. Yeah. And, she talks about that a lot. Yeah. She talk, and I thought that was like a really good point. It, it's, you know, that we have, when porn is, it porn can be dangerous because it portrays this thing, um, sort of unrealistically and uh, occasionally violently, occasionally, again, with all of these terrible yeah. biases. And then we're not... And, and that's the only material, the only sexual material that kids have access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, even, like, we were saying, like, you know, like, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when you're starting to to think about sex, starting to, like, play around with the idea of sex. And and if you feel like you can't talk to anybody and, like, yeah. the only resource you have is, like, sneakily finding things on the internet, like, that can be very dangerous. Oh, 100%. And so, like, her whole thing was, like, trying to present sex in a way that's not... Or, like, to present porn in a way that is... I mean, it's still an aesthetic, so it's not necessarily realistic, but in a way that is more about pleasure than about... I don't know, like a spectacle or something, or yeah. demeaning someone. Or... Well, what she does is she plays around with like power dynamics, and it becomes more about pleasure than power. I yeah. think, and like that ultimately, I think the message of that is great and it's important. I think we can like take the valuable lessons from her, but it's also important to sort of take a look at what's going on yeah. right now, which is that like it's a very, very again complicated whole mess of a situation. There is an actor who made a statement. It was a detailed account about, um, basically they were prevented from discussing boundaries before shooting a scene, um, by the director and like by one of the other actors they were working with, Jeez. which was like, not great. No. Um, the problem, the real issue came. So the director was like, that's not true. I did this, this, and this. And then they outed that porn star by their birth name on Twitter, which is a problem. Oof. If one, this, this actor is non-binary, um, they're also black. And so if you are in a community where it's not safe for you, and obviously as a black person, you face more violence from like white people. Um, But anyway, if it's not safe for you to be out as a porn star or as non-binary, that's really bad and really scary. And I think the people in the industry felt that that was not taken seriously enough. Um, 
Erica List did release a statement, um, and that was like producing a new bill of rights to protect boundaries. But before that, there were a couple of tweets and statements that kind of were trying to not discredit, but like disparage, just kind of like shrug it off by yeah. using or playing into stereotypes yeah. about um, black folks. And I think that like that is not great ultimately. Yeah. Um, and I think it's hard because, like, yeah, like, you can't do everything perfect all the time, which is kind of what she keeps saying. That's, like, her party line. Um, especially as the owner of a company, you don't have control over every director or every actor at all times, right? So, like, a mistake happens, you fire them, you take quick action, all of that, whatever. You do everything you have to do, and ultimately you take responsibility. Fine. That is only... That's not, like, really clearly what happened here, also, there were then other actors of color who had made allegations of abuse against other directors and actors that ultimately were silenced. There was an article that went up on Medium and it was taken down 15 minutes later and no one has been able to find it since that detailed those allegations, which is not good. Nope. Um, some of those actors who have been accused and directors who have been accused of being abusers by multiple people um, are, you know, were hired way, way long after the fact. Um, it's not great. It's not great. Uh, and so this is where we invoke the Woody Allen rule. <laughs> which is that I can't, I don't know really who's in, like, I can't prove anything. We don't know exactly what happened. I'm, I'm not close enough to this, but, um, I also don't need to, I, I have other avenues. Like, I can watch other movies set in New York. I don't need to watch a Woody Allen film. Yeah. Like, I can watch other ethical porn. I don't need to watch this. And it's, like, better to err on the side of caution. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe she was aware of this. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe she's doing her best. Maybe she's not. It, but... It's too, it's like too close to bad for me to want anything to do with it. Well, and at the very least, there's a misunder, there's not enough introspection about, because, you know, we all have prejudice. We all absorb ideas about stereotypes. That happens. Yeah. So at the very least, there's not enough introspection about what those stereotypes mean yeah. and how you use them. Yeah. At the very least, right? At the most, we are employing uh, and supporting abusers. Yes. So it's tricky. And I think especially me as a white person, like, I don't get to be judge and jury on this. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really, really important for other white people, particularly other white people who have a voice in the sort of, like, sex education, sort of, like, that sphere, to be listening to black folks in the industry at this time and what they like you listen and you take action as an ally that's how yeah. you do that you don't make statements for people yeah you don't get to decide whether or not this is okay that's not your job at this yeah. point in time and it's not my job and i can pay for other porn elsewhere exactly and that is it <laughs> yeah and i i just think it's like it's disappointing the way that she like reacted to it with those yeah. tweets that were like trying to downplay it uh, when she kind of has this whole brand that is about sort of like, you know, like education and safety and, and whatever. Yeah. To, to not, to handle this so poorly. Um, and you know, like your first reaction to like the person in the room with you, like maybe the first things that come out of your mouth aren't the things that are most articulate. Yeah. But to go so far as to feel confident to post those on yeah. The internet, I think you're right. It just shows, like, a lack of introspection. And then yeah. it's like, well, 
everything that I, I like, the introspection is what I wanted you for. Like, yeah. so, I don't know. I'm not sure that I can trust you if, if you're showing this kind of lack of, yeah. I don't know, common sense. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think it's hard, right? Because there are times where she's talked about it really, but at the end of it, she is also a white woman, right? So yeah. you have to like, which isn't to say that like every white woman is out here like, you know, trying to cause mischief, but at the same time, like <laughs> a little bit, uh... You know, so I think it's just, it's complicated. I would, like, look at it yourself. And again, like I said, I'll also, like, it's, like, I think her her tag on Instagram is Black Girl Manifest, and her name is Cameron. She talks about this stuff just, like, so articulately and, like, yeah. so well. And so, like, listen. Like, just listen. Yeah. The lack of responsibility. I think in any apology, that's that's the bit that's the worst. Yeah. Is, like, you have to just take responsibility for something. Which doesn't mean that you can't, like, articulate... I don't know, your thoughts and feelings and your side, but I think that there just has to be, like, a, I, I, I am taking responsibility for this. Yeah, and I think to her, releasing that Bill of Rights was the same thing, but at the same time, every time she talked about an interview, what she said was, well, I can't control everything. Well, there's, you know what I mean? And yes. I'm like, yeah, no, like, I, I don't think that's wrong, but, like, there are parts of this that you're not accounting for. There's yeah. parts of this that you, you're just not, you're not listening. Yeah. Like, you're just not listening. And I think that, like, that is difficult and disappointing from someone who, who is so thoughtful, right? Yes. You're like, I really wish maybe that this wasn't exactly how you handled this. And maybe there's parts that the media got wrong. I don't yeah. know, right? Like, but I think the whole point is, is that she's not really, her industry is not, like, she's not really suffering. I mean, right now, because of COVID. But, like, yeah. um, on general, on mass, like, she's not, like, losing money. She's not, you know, she's doing fine. So I am yeah. just going to be, like, Well, exactly. Not it looks for me. like earlier it's like you know like I'm not a judge like it's not like it's on me to like sentence no. someone to jail so like me just wiping my hands of it and being like I actually just again maybe you're doing things that are very bad and I don't I don't I can't I'm not a person who's gonna have all of the evidence and the testimony said but I am gonna side potentially with people being hurt. Well, and especially the people who are more vulnerable, like Rooster, like in their position, especially the fact that they were like, again, I think this is the part that nobody is really taking responsibility for, like nor the director, nor the company, nobody is that they were outed, yeah. which like, you know, for me as a white, like there, there's like, you know, there's levels of danger to that. Yeah. That like, we don't, we don't, especially like on the internet and especially like the way that people like perceive porn. And then especially if you're at different intersections of like race and gender, like you can, you can, people are scary and awful. Yeah. Like, that, I, that's the part that really gets me. It's like, nobody took that seriously yeah. enough. Nobody addressed that. And that to me is where I'm like, okay, we've misunderstood who is vulnerable here. Yes. And, like, that, I think, is the problem. Well, and I think safety is such a big thing with the porn industry because, you know, nobody wants to stand up for them. Not the people who are who are buying the product. No. Not the people who are making the laws. Like, nobody wants to stand up for them. Uh, and so it does. It just puts you in this really vulnerable place where it's like, who are you turning to? Like, yeah. literally, who? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? That's why making statements that are, like, dismissive or, like, disparaging when you have a company behind you and you still have a corporation about this, like, one person. Yeah. It's, like, really hard for me to, 
you know, because I'm like, yeah, sure, maybe this was blown out of proportion. Maybe the media didn't report on it well. Maybe she has a point. I don't know. But at the same time, one person was way more hurt by this than, than the, other. the other person. And one person is way more protection than the other. Yeah. And like, you know, like, I don't think that this per like, you know what I mean? Like, they like basically put their entire career at risk to like stand up for themselves. Yeah. So like, eh, I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you look for when you look for porn? Or do you have like favorites? Do you just like rewatch? Sometimes. It depends on what the medium is. It depends on like what I'm feeling, which sounds like silly, but I don't think, I think that <laughs> has got to be a huge part of it. There's definitely like books like Sweet and Rough by, uh, Sinclair. Like that's like a, that I like go back to all the time, yeah. I think. Um, and there's certain stories in there that I think are, are like super lovely. And the reason why I like them is because they're very sweet and funny. Yeah. And I think that that is lovely. Yes. Um, same with like some of the, the, the videos on crash pad series. Like there's like a, there's like a silliness to them that I just think is like so wonderful. Yeah. You know, where I'm just like, yeah. And then it immediately puts me at ease. Yes. Because there's a lot of shame and sort of like, you know, like stigma about masturbation, I think, especially for women. Yeah. I think especially because like, you know, like sexuality plays into it and, you know, like there's a whole thing. So uh, I try to look for stuff that puts me at ease. And yes. usually that is like something with maybe like a sillier or like lighter tone. Um, so yeah. The audio stuff, if I'm looking for audio porn, that is maybe where I'll take the opportunity to explore like interests that are maybe like not as light because for some mm -hmm. reason having it be audio makes it like less immediate to me or I'm yeah. less confronted by it is what what I what it is I'm trying to explore, whether yeah. it's like BDSM or like certain kinds of kink. So like that's kind of how I try and break it down, which like is not like now that I'm thinking about it, I can articulate that. But when it's ha like that's I'm no, not really yeah, thinking yeah. about it in that of way. Of course. You know, I think I definitely like I have. Uh, books that I go back to like not even like not even erotica but like, <laughs> books that have yeah, yeah, sex scenes sure. in them where I'm just like that was hot we're gonna go back there and read that again <laughs> um and I yeah I think the big thing for me is always like I like knowing the characters mm -hmm. I like their being characters yeah. I like their being a story like it doesn't have to be like an intense story yeah. And there's a great spoken word that I've shown everybody I've ever met because I love it, and now I'm not going to remember what it's called. Uh, you just send it to me after. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, but it's about it's about Potterotica and her talking about oh, yeah, yeah. how that's her porn, and people tell her that it's not valid. Yeah. And her being like, part of what I love about this is these characters exist outside of these situations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They have these, like full-blown relationships and like plot points and it's not just like, like I don't know like she does it way better you have to listen to it yeah. I, you have to listen to it but that's not to say that like if you watch porn where there aren't stories or no. characters that it's sort no. of like diminutive or like no I mean know. the see the, the so then the problem was like her she's more talking about like kind of the abuse of women like yes. by porn oh, industry absolutely. or like the exploitation absolutely um not even necessarily of the actors themselves but just of like plot lines in porn that uh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. that's really what i meant I, and i didn't articulate that no no, no that's okay i, I was trying to think of the lines in the poetry no 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 it wasn't working for me i didn't mean to be accusatory i just think it's important to point out because there are people who say stuff yeah, like that yeah. so it's like important to know that like for some people you need un character and, like, yeah. for some people, you do not. I think for all of us, maybe, we shouldn't be 
like super gung ho about like violence against women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I think is the point. Yes, that was the. But then I couldn't think. I was like, yeah. ah, I can't phrase this. No, no. But it's yeah, it is. It's about like how there's this big push for like advertising girls who are like barely of age. Yeah, yeah. Or like, of course. It's like the lesbian all of the sun wants to like sleep with the dude, yeah, and you're like, that. and my porn is unrealistic because yeah. they're fucking wizards. Fuck you. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think that's something also. Just to, like, take it back for a second. Take it back now, y'all. Take it back. One hop this One time. of the reasons why I started, like, looking outside of places that, like, were immediately accessible is because all of the queer porn, like, all of the women love, like, women-to-women porn was yeah. all for the male gaze. Yeah. All of it. It was so targeted at men. Yeah. And that I found exhausting. Especially, like, now. Well, at the time it was different because I didn't know what I was watching or why I was watching it. And, like, that's not to say that, like, you can be straight and enjoy... Uh, and in fact, a lot of straight women do yeah. because, you know, they focus on things that are not just like pounding, which if that's what you want, that's cool. But like nice for Diversity. some variety. Yeah. Um, but for me, I was like exploring sexuality through porn and like it would, and now, now I find it exhausting. Now I won't even, I'm like, no, I, no, 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 no. If it is, this is not at the very least directed by a woman, hopefully it's directed by a queer woman, then I'm not interested because yeah. I can't take that gaze all the time. Yeah. It's exhausting. I did this course that was all about sort of like the uh, emergence of pop culture. Oh, yeah. And we had to do these essays that were based on visual material. Yeah. And this one girl did hers on the history of lesbian porn. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting that because is really interesting. I was like, what history? Like, where did it, like, how old could that history be, right? But obviously she goes way back and now yeah. I can't remember exactly how far. But, but you know, there's... There's, there's like scrolls and there's yeah. like carvings and whatever. And, but, and I, it's not that I didn't know that, but it was like that it would be because it's something that was kind of, obviously like homosexuality has been sort yes, of, you 100%. know, uh, persecuted throughout history. And like, because this was like not something you were just like uploading to the internet, <laughs> like you would just sit there and carve it or like draw yeah. it on a scroll. I was like, that feels like a lot of danger maybe but no she was able and like she was able to find these examples of lesbian porn but something that she was saying is like uh, specifically historically so much of the lesbian porn centered around penetration like one of the women penetrating and there's like a lot of focus on the penetration mm -hmm. and she was like that to me says that this wasn't made for mm -hmm. like lesbians it was made for men like mm -hmm. that there's still so much focus on the phallic object which isn't it isn't supposed to say that like lesbians aren't into that but it's just that that was where the focus still was like it was still yeah. it's all centered around uh a woman being penetrated yeah. by something that looks like a dick yeah no a hundred percent when that's like i i i think like and that this is like a whole other thing that's tangential but I think, like, a lot of, like, history, both about bisexual women and about, like, lesbians and gay women, whatever term you want to use, like, is forgot. Like, it just doesn't... We don't have it. Like, yes. it just disappears. Because yes. for so long, we refused to... And a lot of people say things like, oh, well, like, you know, like, they weren't... Like, you know, there, there wasn't a movement. And I'm like, no, because we just refused to admit that they existed. There's yeah. a, like, illegitimacy to that and that's why I think that's so awesome to like pull that and like bring it and be like hey like this is what it looks like over time yeah but I also think it's a great example of like I think that we take this line that um oh that history just doesn't exist yeah. 
uh, and I and it's and that's more of an excuse and I talk about this because my general area of interest is like like uh, like women's history yes is it's a similar line that you hear there it's just like well there just isn't one because yeah. they just didn't have they just weren't able to produce it and like that's not true no. like and and this project shows like I, like that was my attitude like I was like how are you gonna find sources for lesbian porn? historically mm -hmm. like maybe i was like maybe you're gonna find something from the 50s yeah you know um when we start to get sort of like cameras and photo yeah. booths and i know that that was a big thing um but but where how how could you possibly find anything from earlier mm -hmm. and and there is there's all of this history mm -hmm. um and obviously then there's context around that history like uh, you know it's not as though this was a rah-rah empowering movement mm -hmm. but it just it, it does exist and it's the same with, you know, like, women's history. Like, there is, like, you know, primary sources, like, written by or influenced by women. Like, their footprints exist in history. It's just that we don't want to look for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's the same with, like, the history of, of sort of, like, gay culture, gay influence in general. There's all of these... Uh, this is another one of my classic rants. But it's, like, there's all of these historical figures who are clearly you know, at least, like, some variation on, like, on sexuality. Like, mm -hmm. like you can't, I can't tell you that they're, like, gay or bisexual or whatever, but they're certainly not straight. Yeah. And we just don't want to acknowledge that. No. Like, we don't want to do, make the same inferences about a love letter between two guys that we make about a love letter between a man and a woman. No. And you're, like, literally basically the same thing is being said. And they're like, ah, we don't know, though. Probably straight. And you're yeah. like, that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't make that assumption if, if the, if the context was different. No. I mean, I think this happens with, like, the history of, like, trans folk a lot. Like, one, we say this, it's like, well, we just didn't know about it. Or, like, well, it just didn't come up until now. And I'm like, no, it's just that you weren't listening. Like, yeah. there have been trans people since, like, time has started. Yeah. Like, that is how that works. It's just, like they are allowed to exist, quote-unquote, to varying degrees throughout yes. history. Yeah. Uh, and that is, like, I'm sure as a trans person, immensely frustrating. Yeah. As a person who is just, like, adjacent, frustrating, yeah. you know? Like, it's, like... And this happens with, like, bisexuality as well. They're like, well, it's newer. And yes. I'm like, it, it's not, though. Yeah. It's actually not. not. And, like, actually, this is only kind of related but it comes up because it's come up recently. So, like, recently there was a bunch of stuff, like, floating around the internet that it was, like, being bisexual as opposed to pansexual is transphobic and bi... And, uh, and yeah, it's transphobic. The idea being that if you are identify as bisexual versus pansexual, you are only interested in men and women. Yes. And there is this manifesto that's called the Bisexual Manifesto, or I don't know if that's what it's called, but that's what it is. It comes out, and it comes out in the 90s, and it actually, like, talks a lot about, like, um, being attracted to, like, trans people, non-binary people, and, like, what that means in, like, a bisexuality, right. and, like, how that, you know what I mean? And, yeah. But we just, we pretend that doesn't exist. We ignore it. We're yeah. like, that's not history. It never happened. Yeah. And mind you, the 90s is not history, capital H. But still, <laughs> it, yes. I, and I think, again, like, part of that, too, comes from, because, like, we don't, we don't recognize these as valid histories yeah well yeah people also just don't know no it also ignores like 
transgender and like non-binary non-binary folks who are bisexual yeah. as if like gender and sexuality like exclude each other for some reason it's yeah. like no actually like trans folks were like a huge part in creating the bisexual manifesto yeah. and like that history is completely ignored yeah and to like bring us back to the topic yeah like sorry. this is obviously all related no 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 um but like it, i feel similarly again like there is this history of porn there's this history yes. of sex work i mean was oh it, yes prostitution is referred to as like the oldest yeah. profession yeah in the world whatever so i i'm always i never quite understand this resistance and this pushback against it as though we can somehow deny that this isn't like a a fundamental part of human society like it's again it's not new like this has always existed as long as we've been like planted in like yeah. one place farming cows yeah and then we had some free time and we're yeah. like maybe i want to sleep with someone yeah maybe i want to look at a scandalous yeah. scroll yeah you know yeah. like look yeah. this has always existed people have always needed and wanted and sought this out so maybe instead of fighting it so much we just do our best to make it as as safe and pleasant for everybody involved. Shame is not good for anybody. It doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't make you act good. Yeah, no. It's just bad. We gotta get rid of the stigma. We gotta talk about porn more. <laughs> okay, uh, any last thoughts on, on porn? Pay for your porn. Don't be a dick. Don't make people feel bad. <laughs> wow. Yes. Amazing. Talk to your friends. Have conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my god, Nathan said my favorite thing ever the oh, other no. night. Because I, I made some comment about, like, boys always being clingy in relationships. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, because they can't talk to their friends about their feelings. Yes. So then they get a girlfriend and they're so excited because yes. they're like, finally I have someone to tell yes. my feelings to. That's exactly And I was accurate. like, that is so pathetic. But, at, oh my god. We have to talk, because, like, I have so much to say about this. But someone I was listening to was talking about Love is Blind and they were like, it's wild to watch all of these men just like break down and cry because they realize that they haven't had like, they haven't had to be vulnerable in their entire life. <laughs> yep. So they haven't been vulnerable with anybody. And she was like, I think that's what happens when like men get in, heterosexual men get into relationships with women. And that's why women have to do all of the emotional yeah. heavy lifting for yeah. everybody. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly what happens. So guys, like, talk to your friends. Talk to your friends. <laughs> talk. To, make them pay for their porn. Yes. You oh know? God. Yes. Um. Don't put so much pressure on your girlfriend to be your emotional support. Yes. <laughs> great. What a great. What a great. <laughs> what a great way to end this. Uh, we're gonna be back with an episode next month about something. I don't think we've chosen it yet. We haven't. So it's a mystery topic. I hope that you're fucking excited yeah stay uh, safe wash your hands don't be a dick to other people masturbate i guess what else are we gonna do yeah you know pre presumably i mean if you're in italy you're already doing it presumably yeah, yeah. <laughs> like canada we gotta get those stats up oh. we're so low yeah that's top priority number one says me yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> um okay well lovely speaking to all of you hope that you don't die and we'll see you next month bye, bye.